I call this the six eyes of faith, and it's not eyes like you see with. It's the letter I. There's six things, and I started this a couple of weeks ago, and then I, I lost track of these notes. I don't, I don't know where they went. I, 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 I have, but I, I, just to give you an idea, I have taught 14 times in the last 11 days. That's morning Bible studies that I do live, Facebook Live for 20 minutes. I did two chapels at the, at the Christian school, and if you think that's easy, you go stand before kindergarten to fourth graders and try to present something from the Word of God. That's work. I was sweating. That's, that's, it's like I kept wanting to ask a question, but the little bitty guys, when you ask a question, that just extends. It's just like a, it's like a snowball, and it's like, whoa, I got, I got a story I want to tell. They think it's show and tell time. That's what the guy, the principal told me before he went up there. He said, don't ask any questions. You, you do better. I said, thank you. And I mean, I mean literally three times because I taught it to the older kids. They do it in two different groups. And I taught to the older kids first they, on Wednesdays at Hillsdale Christian School. I guess I'll clarify. They do a chapel. And uh, so that once in a while I get to go up there and they ask me to go up there. Well, it just so happened it was a week that I had extra stuff. I had a funeral, had extra stuff that we were doing. So it was a pretty, pretty uh, challenging time, and, and, and I, I really wasn't wanting to go. It was, it, it, there, was, there was just a lot, lot going on. But I'd already committed, and, and so I pulled in there, and, and, and I, I got ready to go up there, and, and the principal said, don't ask questions to them little guys. And I said, you know, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. And I had to literally stop it. The, the question was coming out of my mouth about three times, and I went, uh, and I'd change. And, and, and I know the teachers were over there. They were just laugh, laughing at me because uh, they were watching me do what I do was doing. But, uh, but these, these notes, I got back into them. In Romans chapter 10, the six eyes of faith, and I'm going to try to get through most of this tonight. I may not get through all of it, but the six eyes are I believe, I will, I have, I receive, I thank you, and I forgive. Now, I probably, like I say, won't get through all of these, but I want you to understand that when we put these things together, faith works. Understand something, that God created us, the whole process, in fact, I wrote this down, everything for the Christian life, is, life in God hangs on this statement, I believe. It takes that to become born again. What's the Bible say here in 1010? In, uh, in, in he says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. It all begins there. But let me, let me go through just these first four, four verses, first of all, in Romans chapter 10. And it says, Brothers and sisters, my heart, heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they do not know the righteousness of God and sought their own to establish their own. In other words, they're trying to do it their own way. But he goes on, he says, they did not submit to God, God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who, what? Believes. For everyone who believes. You know, he, he spells it out. He says, it's not based on who's a, who's a Jew and who's a Gentile. It's not based on how good they are, their standing in the church is. It's not based on what they give, what they do. It's based on one thing, believe. And that's where salvation comes from. That's where our, our relationship with God comes from. But listen, God doesn't stop with just salvation where our believing is concerned. That's how we receive. That's why I challenge you, when you give, give in faith. I know people that think it's, it's humble to just give. No, oh, I would never expect anything back. Why? 
Why? You think it's going, if it's going to bother you to, to be rich, just give it all away. <laughs> but, just, but just expect God to provide. Now, here's the thing. The pursuit of money, the love of money. What's he say? Is the, is the root of all evil. But understand the full of that scripture is the love of it. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of it. It's not your things. You remember the rich young, young ruler? What was he separating him from? He, the stuff. Why? Because his stuff was his God. It wasn't because his stuff was bad. It was because his stuff had hold of him. What did he say? Well, I can't go with you, Jesus. I got a lot of stuff. That's a paraphrase. That's a country version. But, you know, that's, that's what he said. But see, here's the thing. What if we get our heart right? What if our heart's right? I mean, what if, what if we desired to have more and we, was able to, and we was able to do more for others, bless others, do others? I know some of, I know some of you that you're generous and, the gen, and your generosity, that's what God increases. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's not the size of the gift that's important. It's the willingness to give what, you, what you're able to give. And you know, it, it's, it's just an amazing thing. Now, I want us to look at, at, at uh, let's look at uh, Romans 3 real quick. Hold your place there in, in, in Romans 10. We're going to come back there eventually. Romans chapter 3. And I'm kind of reviewing. I'm kind of going back over what I went over two weeks ago. But I'm pretty sure all of you have slept a few times since then. And I want you to be able to get a hold of this. Verse 22, he says, This righteousness, Romans 3, 22, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Notice again, it's not based on works. It's not based on, you know, did you, did you get enough stars by your name in the, in the Sunday school attendance? You know, it's not any of that kind of stuff. There is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received, how? By faith. He says, he goes on, He did this to demonstrate the righteousness, His righteousness, because of His forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that to be so as to be justified and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus in, in Jesus. So it, it ties it see we see the importance of both believing and faith and tying those two together. Now, it's by, by faith that we receive. And, and we know, and, and you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm trying to hit these pretty quick because I want to get to some other things as well. But this foundation is so, so rich. It, it, it says, now faith is a confidence or substance, depending on your translation, in what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. Now, we know that definition. We've heard that probably if you've been in church very much. And if you've been around here, you've heard me use that definition. Obviously, it's from the Bible. But faith is that substance of things hoped for. It's that assurance that what? God is faithful to His Word. See, in the beginning, what is important is we have to remove the question by believing. 
What did you do when you, when you heard about the gospel? You heard about this God who died, who sent his son 2,000 years ago, and supposedly he created everything, and, and there were some cool Bible stories, and there was this dude that got swallowed by this fish, and there was this, this guy that knocked down, you know, this bunch of people circled these, this wall city, and this stuff fell down, and there's this dude with a really good with a slingshot, and he took out a giant. And, and you heard all this cool stuff that's pretty wild and pretty, pretty wow as a kid, maybe. Maybe you grew up in church, you heard all that stuff. But there, was, there came a day when you had to remove the questions of how can he have a personal relationship with me and how could he die for me, love me that much? And you had to accept, we had to believe that, that he is who he says he is. And that's what he says in verse 6. He says in verse 6, And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe, must believe that he exists and, see he doesn't stop there. Most people believe in God. A lot of people believe in a higher power or, or, or many different things. But he says, and that he's a rewarder, and he rewards those who are earnestly seeking him. Diligently, the King James says. Diligently seeking him. Earnestly. Sincerely. Not just playing games. You know, it's funny. You, we can fool people, but we can't fool God. But you know what he says? He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because we've got to not only believe that he exists, but that he's a rewarder. In other words, he's good enough to do what he said he would do based on the fact that we believe and we receive him. What's a, what, uh, let's, let's go back over to uh, Romans 10. And, and I want to get into this a little deeper here in, in, in verse 10. But I want, you to, for, I want you to be thinking about this as well. Is there's, there's, a, there's something called that I call the power of the question mark. You know, I, I, I've used this before, but there's the, where, our, where, our, where the question mark is is where our faith stops. See, think about whenever those, or maybe those that you've shared with, probably not you, but maybe somebody watching. But there may have been a time or, that, that you questioned, is God real? Or you question, I, I'll have my kids, my teenagers, and, you know, when, as teenagers, they come home and, and they'd say, man, you know, how do we know that we're right? See, here's the thing. The, the world that we live in, understand, they, there is an attack on our, on our young people. It's one of the reasons that, that we're passionate about at, at Carrier Church, and we, we want to do things to be able to reach kids, more youth, more, more young people, because I guarantee you by the time they get into high school and when they leave to go to, if they go to college, they are being flooded with things that are anti-God, and they'll do anything and everything they can to simply bring a question. Because if they can bring a question, and they can say, well, yeah, but how, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. The only but we ought to have in our, in our vocabulary ought to be but God. I used to always say, just get that but out of the way. I used to always say, nope, just, just remove that. But there's one but we need in there, but God. When we're in, faced in a circumstance or situation we can't, we can't handle, it's bigger than us, and we wonder how in the world we can say, but God. But we got to remove that question mark. See, why do some people struggle? Because a lot of times they can't wrap their mind around it. I remember times where, where I'd be believing God to supply for us, provide for us. I mean, we raised our family on, on not a whole lot of money. And, 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 and in fact, by most standards, uh, below the poverty level. And, 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 you know, but, but God provided us always well. 
But you're looking at 30, you know, five, six years later after living for God all these years and doing a lot of things to, to, that God directed us to do in order to, to be where we're at. But there were so many times when we were, we were in a place where we couldn't do anything but trust God. But you know what? That when that question mark came, here was the thing I did. I went back to I believe. And I went back in a way that, that helped me remove the mindset that, that was trying to be, that was being caused by that question. And I had to just go and settle, God, this is what you say. You know, one of the things that we settled, and, and I'm going to use this, this finances again, was one of the things that Sue and I settled when we, first, when we first started living for God, which was when we first got married. We said, God, we're, we're going to tithe. That's 10%. That's, that, at, that's a base. That's the beginning point. That came out first. And in that beginning point, it was a lot of money, $75, because I made $750 a month. And, you know, that, we kind of laugh. That doesn't sound like very much to most of you. But I can guarantee you at the time it was a lot. But you know what? It, it continued to grow because why? Because our, got, our income grew. Had to. I mean, we, was having more and more, we eventually started having kids and started having more and more. Had to, had to have more, right? But, you know, here's the thing. We never even considered what that looked like. Didn't matter if there was gas for the car. Didn't matter if there was groceries for the groceries. Didn't matter. Why? We settled, God, I believe you. You said that if we tithe, you open the windows of the storehouse of heaven and pour out blessing you cannot contain. You said you'd meet my need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And God, last time I checked, your riches ain't short. That's what we had to settle. I mean, man, we just settled it. God, I don't care what everything else looks like. I'm going to trust you. And God, you can cause us to live bigger and better on the 90 than we ever could on the 10. I mean, on 100. We trust you. And you know what? Then there were other times when we were really, really tight that we be, I began to ask God, how, do I, how can I do more? How can I do more? You know what God did? He began to supply more. I told you the story about going in on Saturdays and cutting firewood. I'd take the money off that guy, helped me get the firewood, and I took that $50 or what, $100, whatever he gave me, and I'd say, okay, Lord. And I mean, there were times when, you know, we could have used some shoes or we could have used some, you know, we could have used some whatever, but I said, God, what do I do with this now? Because my trust, my faith is in you. I believe what you said. See, the first thing is I believe. The, the second thing is I will. And when, when, we, when we make that choice that we've set our will to God's, everything else just begins to, to be secondary. And we say, God, I believe you, and I will. I will what? I will set my heart after you. I'm not going to allow anything to deviate, cause me to deviate from you. I'm going to hold fast to you. Now, I don't have time to go there, but we, we went there uh, a, a few weeks ago. Actually, we do have Deuteronomy chapter 30. i got to go over here. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's a lot. But you can, just, you can just imagine the words that come forth in, this, in these verses. And we're not going to go back to Romans chapter 10. I was going to go back there, but we're not. He says in verse 11, he says, Now... What I, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. You know what part of I will says? Part of I, I will says that, God, this is your word. This is your will 
for, for your believers, your people. This is my instruction manual for success. You remember last week I read, uh, I think I read it here. I know I read it at Carrier. I think I read it here too, Joshua 1, 9. It says, if this book of the law doesn't depart out of your mouth, but if you meditate in it day and night, then you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. That's Deuteronomy 1, or I mean Joshua 1, 8 and 9. It may be, I don't know which verse of those, but I think it's 8. But it bleeds over into 9. He says, you're going to be blessed if you just do this. Put the word out before you and maintain, hold fast to it. Keep it before your eyes. See, that's the thing he's telling them right here. He says, you can do this. See, I know people that say, I just can't. I, I struggle with the Bible. I struggle to understand it. You know what? I remember a time when I struggled with it. But I also remember a time whenever I decided that, God, I'm going to trust you to, by your help of your Holy Spirit as a born-again believer, I'm going to entrust that that you're going to show me what, how is it speaking to me. You see, you can read this as a history book and go, okay, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel right before he hands the reins over to Joshua, or Joshua's getting ready to take over, and, and, you know, and, and, and this is history way back there. Or you can let God say to you today, it's not too big for you. It's not too much for you. You can do it. You can hear it. You can receive it. He says, now what I'm commanding you is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven that you say, well, how can I ascend? Who's going to ascend and get it for me? Bring it down and teach it. It's not across the sea. Where can I go, go get it? Verse 14 says, no, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. He says, man, it's right here for you. It's, it's in, your, in, your, in your heart, and it's in your mouth. Now, see, that's the thing that, that, that we have to set our will to choose to say, God, I'm going to trust you in everything that I do. I'm going to entrust my life to you. Now, verse, verse 15 says, I, see, I set before you today life and, life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to keep His commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live, in, uh, live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. God's saying, look, I'm making a promise. I'm giving you a promise. He said, I'm going to cause you to, to prosper in the land that I'm sending you. But notice verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away and, and bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that it will be, it will certainly, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing over in the Jordan to, to enter and to possess. This day I call heaven and earth before you as witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, or curses, now choose life so that you may, you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to His voice, hold fast to Him, for the Lord is your life and He will give you many years in the land which I swore to you. You know, you can either leave that in the Old Testament, leave that to the Jews, or you can let God lay that before you and you can say, God, okay, you do your part, I'll do mine. That's what we're saying when we, when we say, I believe, we're saying, God, I believe you. I believe in you. I believe you're the God of the Bible and what you've spoken is true. I'm going to trust you. I believe. Then you say, I will. God, I will do what you've commanded me to do. 
I will. And, and, and see, and that's what Greg is admitting. He says, sometimes my will gets out of line. I'm putting words in his mouth, but this is basically what he's saying. Sometimes I mess up. And what did I say about last week about First uh, John 1, 9? I said, it's the phone booth where, the su where Superman comes out. We go in as sinner. We come out as repentant and restored and righteous. We go in confessing that sin, and, and God restores. And, and see, but he says, if you do your part, I'll do my part. But he says, you don't do your part, who, who's, who's pulling away from who? Man, I tell you what, I, I, I have to make that decision that I will. Now let's turn to Genesis chapter 17. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some of the, the story of, of, of uh, Abraham, which you all know I love. Because one of the foundational chapter, foundational teachings that transformed my young life at about 21 years old, when we didn't have hardly anything and many things coming against us, but I began to get a hold of how to walk by faith and trust God, and it was it was called following the faith of Abraham. Such a such a foundational teaching that I, I got a hold of. So that I've always loved this story. But the third uh, I in the six eyes of faith is I have. I have. Now notice in, in chapter 17 what takes place. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. And, I, and he said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Then I will make you, make my covenant between me and you. And I will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell on his face before God and said to him, this is my covenant with you. You will be with, boy, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be Abram, but your name will be Abraham, for I have made you, and I circled that in my Bible. I have made you, and that's also over in Romans chapter 4. He said the same thing. You're, you, you, a father of many nations. And notice verse 6, he says, I will make you very fruitful. And make nations come out of you. Now you got to understand, Abram was 99 years old. He'd been 24 years of trusting God. God developing in chapter 12 the covenant promise. Chapter 15, he took him out and remember he, he looked at the stars. He said, he said get, a, get a concept of how big I am and how big I can be in your life. But something changed right here when he gave him the word. And what was different was Abram became Abraham. And he began, and, he, and it says he, he became. God said, I, I, uh, I have made you the father of many nations. Now, see, there's something about faith that's so important. When I talk about using the Word of God as, his, as, the, as the roadmap or the, or the guide, guide, instruction guide for success... It's that God will show you what it is you need to do different. When I was that young man sitting there in that, in that little old farmhouse that didn't have but a water cooler and one little heater and that, that little place, that, I mean, we're trusting God and I'm hearing God's voice. What he's saying is, is follow me, trust me. I will. I have given you. I have provided. And when I began to get that concept, that understanding, I began to realize who God was, how big he was. But I also began to realize that when he was speaking it to me through his word, that I had it. I have it. 
See, I gotta, I gotta understand, and that's what, that's what uh, Abram, when he became Abraham, he began to say the same thing that God had promised. He began to realize and begin to state, "I have it." He wasn't denying facts. It was very simply that he said, "God, you said it. I have it." I believe it. I am the father of many nations. And so he changed his name. He began to go around saying that he was who God said he was. Now, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing that he also changed Sarah's name. And, and then he says that when we... Uh, I wrote down here that there's, a, there's an it. You know, when God spoke, he spoke what the promise was. I've made you a father of many nations. He, pr- he spoke that word, and as he, as he spoke that word, it's amazing, it became that it became a reality. It began to change and be, change who he was, and he began to speak about it. It what? I'm a father of many nations. He had to begin to introduce himself as a father of many nations. He had to begin to say what God said about him. But he didn't say it out of a desire to change what was there. He, cha- he said it to change what was there, but from a position of knowing what God had given him. He had an, he had a, a, an it. He had that confidence, that he had that assurance because God said it. He said, I've made you a father of many nations. That wasn't the first time he promised it. It was the first time that he, that he changed what he did and what he said. He changed his part. He began to to put in his mouth the promise of the Word of God. Now, this next I is this, is I receive. And you know what? The big difference, and I I want us to look at, at, uh, at Sarah here. Because in chapter 18 of Genesis, I saw something here all a few months ago. I taught this probably a few months ago as well, brought this out at another point. But you know, that's how we re- remember things. That's how the re- repetition. See, I, I've taught this, lived this, walked this for years, but I still got to be reminded of how to walk by faith, how to trust God. There's times I get my eyes on the physical things, but I've got to stop and, wait and, and, and be challenged. God, I am trusting you. I believe. I will. I have. I have what? I have what you've promised me. And you know what? I'm going to spend the time that I need to to find out what that is, that it is that I need. But when I find it, when God speaks, I want it to begin to, to, uh, I want to be ready to receive it. See, the Word of God is revealed to us, and then it becomes that substance. Notice what what in in, uh, verse uh, 13 of chapter 18 of Genesis, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh? Now, I'm trying not to read the whole story, but what happened was is three visitors came, and they showed up at the tent of Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah's in the back preparing a meal. And the the Lord said, I'm going to, in a next year at this time, she's going to have you a baby. And she laughed. She laughed within herself. She went, huh. Now that I'm old, look at the rest of this. He says, Sarah laughed and said, Will I really have a child now that I am old? But look at verse 14. That's what you're going to like, Greg. Verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have you a son. Now notice the word right after Sarah right there. It says Sarah will have. Now see, here's the thing. Sarah believed. She'd learned to believe. Sarah was willing, but Sarah was still struggling with the ability to believe. She's still struggling. She didn't necessarily have it yet. But you know what? When that word came, is, is anything too hard for God? You know, the place that we're living on right now on the, on the edge of town, it was 40 acres. It looked like, it looks like you can't see it all from, more, from the road. It looks like about seven. And we, we saw this for sale sign. We've been looking to get, we'd, been, we'd flipped a couple of houses and we were trying to get, you know, out in the country where I could have my arena and, and the horses and stuff there at the, at the place. And, 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 and I, we, we saw that sign. Sue calls, she, saw, she goes, oh, there's a house. She's, it's on the market over there on Willow. Man, East Willow. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just go over there. And man, we're, we drove by it. I said, hey, man, that looks good. I could put the arena right there. It's got a shop. It's got a barn. You know, I mean, this is awesome. And then we found out we had mom. Of course, I called my favorite realtor. And uh, I called mom and I said, find out about that place, would you please? And she, I probably didn't say, would you please, but I should have. And I said, hey, find out about that. And she went and found out about it. And she said, well, it's 40 acres. And I went, oh. And Sue goes, well, I don't know how we're going to do that. And then faith kicked in. And I said, you know what? There's nothing too hard for God. You realize the God that got us this house we're in was the same God that provided the house before and the house before and the house before and did all these other things. And we began to talk about all that God had done and we were reminded of how big God is. And, and short, uh, to shorten the story, we ended up with that place and it was way more than we had ever imagined that we could have had. But see, here's the thing. God provided. There was a lot of things that had to happen in order for us to get that. And God was holding that place for us. It had been on the market for like 90 days. But they, were, they said, don't make a low ball offer. That's what the realtor said. Don't make a low ball offer because they won't take it. They've already turned them all down. And you know what they did? We all, they, they reduced the price right before we went there. And then we ended up, they found a little hitch in the, in the, in the abstract. It was in an estate. And they went, oh, I think we'll just knock it another, I don't know, 25,000 down or something. Another. I mean, it, it ended up down like 50,000 less than what, what it was originally. I mean, it was, it was nuts unless you'd trust in God. Unless you'd been trusting God for the house deals since 1999 and every house since then that we'd, that we'd owned. And all those different times. You see, I believe there was a change that her not only did she believe, not only did she choose to set her will to trust God, not only did she realize what she had in the promise of God, but all of a sudden she received it. And she began to walk around calling herself Sarah. Calling father of a multitude, or I mean, a woman or mother of a multitude, I believe is what that means. It means the same thing at Abraham's. She began to see it different. She received it, and it came into her life. You know, it became a substance. And see, what it did is it removed her question mark. See, I'd, I'll just challenge you, and, and, and we'll wrap this up and get on to this next week to finish this up. But you know what? If we can believe, if we can say, God, you are big enough. Whatever your need is, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be, it could be you know, uh, uh, wisdom, it could be, you know, how do, we, how do we navigate this nut crazy stuff that's going on in this world? 
How do we know what to believe and what not to? How do we, how do we handle all this? What should we do? God has the answers. And as we follow God and, and we choose, I'm, I'm telling you, God will begin to take us where we need to go. In these difficult times, go back to the foundation. See, I think a lot of you could have let your face slip a little bit. And you, let, you get overwhelmed by all the things that you see. There's not as much money coming in, or there's more money going out, or, or whatever it be. There's this changing, and that changing, and this is going this way, and it needs to go this way. But God can transform it all. God can change it all. And so when, 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 you, when you come back and you say, God, I'm, I'm going to look at what I have, it's easy to believe. You can learn to set your will but can you, will you take the time to say, God, what is it that I have? you got 66 books full of promises. I don't know how many, or 6,500. I've heard all kinds of different quotes of how many. I can't count them. But there's all kinds of ones, and they fit your situation just right. Find it. Say, God, what do I have in you? What's your promise? Then begin to read that over and over until you can receive it. And then when you receive it, you begin to walk in it. And, the, and the, the, the fifth one is this, is it's, it's I thank you. I thank you. You know what that means? I thank you, Lord. Thank you that, you're making, that you make a way where there is no way. Thank you that you make the... That's what that song, that second song was talking about. Make a way where there is no way. You can provide. I trust you. Begin to thank Him. Begin to praise Him. Begin to give Him glory for it. Begin to offer to Him all that you have and watch Him turn things around. Well, listen, we're going to close tonight. Uh, we'll go up and we'll pray with those that need prayer. Uh, I went a little longer, and I don't apologize, but actually Greg took up too much time. So, uh, <clears throat> no, I didn't. But you know what? I, I, I believe that this way. You can go ahead and come on, Greg. Uh, I, I believe that, that at this time, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the things that we got to do with every sermon God's speaking to you. Many of you heard something. God, God's speaking something to you. That's why you had, ought to have a notepad with you. Take some notes. Write some stuff down. It'll be on the video. You can re-watch it. But you know what? Here's the thing. What we do with what God's given us, He does His part. And we've got to ask ourselves, God, what is my part? Where giving's concerned, your part's to give. Where, where uh, hearing God is concerned, it's, it's learning to tune in. Where, where learning what you have is concerned is getting that Bible. Spend the time. Turn off the TV or turn off something. Do something. Change something. Get up earlier. Stay up later. Do whatever you got to do. Because here's the thing. If you realize this is, this is the answer, you'll go there. And then once you hear it and say, Lord, I receive. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you that, that Lord, you are a God of faith. You are a God that set this up to receive you, to begin our life with you by, by, by choosing to believe in you. But Father, you also told us to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. So Father, if there's anybody with the sound of my voice, within the sound of my voice that, that doesn't know you, but Father, you, you draw them by your Holy Spirit. Father, if there's anybody also that needs to, to make that choice to say, Lord, okay, I give it up to you, and I trust, I trust you. They'll make that choice and that decision tonight. Praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We're gonna, we're not dismissing, but a few of us will go up and pray. And if you have a prayer need and you